a Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show on RacerX.com. your continued support of our sponsors we have surpassed 1,000 podcasts delivered with over 7 million downloads click that amazon banner on pulp mx to help us out and donate via patreon if it suits you and as always enrich your moto lifestyle by working with the sponsors who support us Original Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome, everybody, to the Fly Racing Racer X Podcast. This is the Seattle Supercross Race Review. Thanks for listening, everybody. Appreciate it. Please check out the Steve Mathis Archives, Volume 1, 2, and 3, for a ton more goodness, uh, a podcast on there. And uh, we appreciate you guys checking that out and downloading it. Fly Racing Moto 60 Show on Thursdays as well. NFAB Fantasy uh, Supercross Podcast, the Privateer Profile. We've got a lot of a uh, podcast going on, so please check them out. Subscribe to RacerX as well. RacerX Magazine, it's not anything you're going to read on the internet. Uh, it's a whole new stories, whole new thing. So please check out the subscription uh, for RacerX Magazine as, as you can also. And uh, yeah, Pulp MX uh, on Twitter and uh, buy the Pulp MX app, damn it. I'm Steve Mathis, flyracing.com. The F2 carbon helmet is as factory as a helmet as a factory bike can get. Take it right out of the box, and the racers put it on, including Davey Millsaps, Blake Baggett, uh, Weston Pike, Trey Kennard, all these guys. They wear the F2 carbon helmet with MIPS. A bunch of different colorways, a bunch of different styles. And uh, please check out the 2017 and a half uh, kinetic mesh gear out from the folks at flyracing.com. We appreciate them sponsoring this podcast. Race Tech on board and uh, Michelin Star Cross 5 as well. All right, this is the Seattle Supercross Race Review. I'm Steve Mathis. With me on the line, two gentlemen who were there also watching the race in person. It's been a while since all three of us were there, but uh, we were. Uh, first up, from flyracing.com, former German Supercross champion, Montreal Supercross champion, the Jason Thomas. Yeah, still here in Seattle, uh, hanging out. But we're going to get this thing done, much to the uh, satisfaction of all you uh, tireless listeners. Metal to be nice. Met a lot of tireless listeners at the race. It was crazy. Yeah, it was good. I think that's what happens though when you don't go. You well, you don't come back to a city for a mm-hmm. few years. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone, everyone within a 500 mile radius was uh, there and ready for Supercross. It was, it was awesome. Yeah, it was cool. Also on the line, he's the voice of American Motocross. He's the voice of Dirt Track. He's the voice of Quads. He's the voice of GNCCs. He's the voice of Geneva Supercross. He's the voice of Endurocross. He's the editor online chief. At RacerX Online, he's... Flat track. Did you say flat track? I said flat track, yep. Okay, got it. Jason Wygant. Yeah! Beating out Ralph Shaheen for the dirt track job. Take that, Ralph. I don't know. That's just conjecture. That's behind-the-scenes chat. I don't know if any of this is true. I just know I have the big... And Supercross Live guest. Yes. Yes, I was a guest uh, during the one track walk that happened to... Track walk normally starts before their show, and mm-hmm. this time it happened during. Yep. Everything was delayed, so they got so desperate they were willing to let me be on the show. It was amazing. Yeah, funny my phone yeah. never rang. 
Yeah, they were all over me even on uh, press day saying that Jim would like me on the show. And then, um, you know, my goal is to show them that I'm more than willing to talk about Monster Energy Supercross. Uh-huh. For example, we do it one hour a week every week on this very show. Uh-huh. Um, I'm able to talk about other dirt bike racing besides the Lucas Oil Promoter Cross Championship. I write thousands of words every week about Supercross. Mm-hmm. And then, then Jim Holly's like, hey, flat track, yeah, let's talk about that, NBC, sounds good. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, Jim, that's great, but, you know, everything looks up to Supercross, Supercross the pinnacle. Yeah, but flat track, man, let's talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> Jim, you're killing me. That's Jim. Just Jim Holly, bro. <laughs> Yeah, it's Jim. You, right. You just have to let Jim be Jim. Yeah, no, you do. You do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Speaking of uh, the race itself, um, JT, you made mention, first time in three years back in Seattle, two years? Um, and it was cool. I was happy to be back. I liked it. Weather, sketchy as always. One practice session, only 10 minutes. But I like Seattle on the schedule. I'm 100% biased because I love the Pacific Northwest. Um, I used to live there for a little while when I worked for Ty Birdwell and Victoria, Canada as well. I love it up there. Very happy Seattle is back. Please give me more Seattle. Yeah, I like it. I mean, you, you know what you're getting, though. Like, the dirt's going to be bad. The track's going to be bad. Uh, the weather's going to be bad. You, you know you're getting all of that. So if you're okay with all of those things, which I am, then it's great. Uh, but I think it adds some very variance to the series. I think we get so much of the cookie cutter, same dirt, same track, same scenario, yeah. same result type thing. Yeah. And then you go to a track like Seattle last night and look what happened to the results. You know, I know they weren't completely off the, you know, radar as far as what's normal, but they were different. You know, when was the last time you saw Tomac go over the bars? When was the last time you saw Dungey crash in the first turn? Uh, there was a lot of um, interesting things that happened that I feel if we were at Indy, none of those things would have happened. And, and maybe I'm wrong on that, right. but that's just how I see it. I think the track and the situation uh, just kind of changes the series. And at this point, at round 12 or 13, I think that's a good thing. Round 14, actually. Um, 14, wow, okay. But, uh, but the last time we were in Seattle, we had pretty good dirt. The Dirtworks guys did a good job on it. It stayed relatively rut-free. Rut, rut no, it had tons of ruts, so relatively... Not super ruddy, and that's not even a word or a sentence, but this dirt, this was Vancouver Supercross all over again. This dirt was bad. And, yeah, they. Oh, sorry. I heard that they. It wasn't a weather thing that they made. The, they cut two practices and they made the one only 10 minutes. It was not a weather thing as much as it was like, holy shit, this dirt's really bad. We can't have too many guys on it. That's kind of what I heard. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that part, but I know they pulled it um, just out of a dig site. Uh, one of my VIP guys, they pulled it from a construction site he was on. They bought it from them. Um, and yeah, it, it's very similar to the dirt we saw in Vancouver. Uh, I, rec- I, I've never been to the moon. I know that's going to shock some some listeners out there, but I, I would equate it to dirt that's on the moon. It looks the same consistency. It's rocky. It doesn't hold up. It it really has no base to it. Uh, but yeah, I don't know, and I would assume they bought new dirt because we haven't been there in so long. No, no, yeah. It, don't but you remember? It, you don't, know, the, don't you remember the last time we were yeah, there? Yeah, it was brown. brown. It was brown, brown dirt, yeah, right. you know, and this dirt was like back to the gray Vancouver type dirt. So I don't know what the situation was. Right. I know that dirt is a huge expense for Feld, and they probably uh, got some dirt that was uh, a bargain, if I had to guess. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it takes away from the racing when the dirt sucks. Yeah, I, I, I think. Because the weather turned out fine. You could have held the full set of practices, everything else. Uh, 
Yeah. Weege, did yeah, you hear absolutely. that? Did you hear that? What kind of what I heard? What's that? Did you hear the same thing I heard? Only from you. So whatever okay. that counts. But. All right. Yeah. No, <laughs> I, heard from, I heard it from a couple sport. of teams. No, I heard it from a couple of teams. That that's what Dirtworks oh, okay. Dirtworks guys told them that. Like, hey, Ted Parks. No, no, not from Ted Parks. By the way, the Teddy Parks Privateer Journey is no longer called that. JT, did you know that? What? Is it the experience now? No, it's never been the experience, despite me saying that over and over. Um, I'm aware of that. Thank you. um, But, JT, it's a huge fly team, but you were not aware of the name change. Uh, I thought it was TPJ. We each fill them in. Yeah, we found out on uh, Saturday the name has changed to the professional journey. The professional journey, no longer the privateer journey. Mm-hmm. He said the uh, multi-million dollar sponsors that he's courting just got to have a higher-end name. So they've all been upgraded. The Teddy Parks personal, professional yeah. experience. Well, let's be real. This is the Ted Parks journey. You can you can put the TP, you can change TP to whatever you want. You yeah. can make it the professional, you can make it the privateer, but it will always be the Ted Parks journey. Well, it'll always be the Teddy Parks experience. There's no doubt about it. I mean, there's nothing like that privateer island area with the mishmash of characters he has over there, and then Teddy himself, right? One of the wildest characters in the pits. And plus, he was with us in the press box all night, so we really got the Teddy Parks we experience. We did. We did. It was amazing. Um, it was amazing. Anyway, so that's the what I heard about the dirt, and um, but anyways, Weege, happy to be back in Seattle for you. Long ass flight, but did you like going back? Oh yeah, it was awesome. I mean. Uh, there's, it's tough for Supercross. All these new stadiums are generally in a downtown setting, which makes it tough. Uh, but they actually improved since the last time we were there. They moved it into that convention center, which yeah. I assume that convention center didn't exist three years ago. Is that why they didn't do this before? Is that new? No, I don't think so. Because oh. I've walked that from that end before. So. Oh, and it was there. Okay. Yeah, so between the baseball field and this football field, there's a convention center. So now we have indoor pits like Atlanta and St. Louis, which are generally the most um, well-attended pits you'll see all year. Uh-huh. We were away from the inclement weather. It was awesome. And the city itself is great. So if you can get the downtown feel and decent pits, that's a home run. And I can't think of many Supercrosses that can, can claim all that. Obviously, we got some dirt problems. But the weather itself isn't even an issue because, as we've seen in areas like this, the fans will show up anyway. They don't care. I mean, it was apparently brutally cold. None of us would know because we were in the ivory tower of the press box. And uh, I don't think I ever went outside for about 12 straight hours. But I heard it was cold. But the crowd was good. They don't care. crowd was great. It's good to see uh, that Moser guy also, hometown race for him. You know? Don't know him. Yeah. JT. Well, I can can fill you guys in a little bit because I went to see some friends. And they were in the, the, I don't know which end it's called, but where the triangle-looking seats are. Yep. And I went to that part where that's where industry seating was. And it was miserably cold. I'm talking like uh, off the charts, 20 mile an hour winds. Oh wow! But yeah, like brutally cold, and they were just loving it up there. I mean, they had to be cold, but they had blankets, and uh, yeah, people came out. They didn't. They did not care. Uh, once again, proving that if you take Supercross away when we return, you will have yeah. a great cup. Well, I hope they go back next year. I do. I liked it. It was a great night of racing too. Great main events. Terrific. I think, yeah. I think why we went away was the city problems, right? The parking, you mean, we and all that? There? Yeah. Yeah, parking yeah. in the city was really hard to deal with and blah, blah. Right. Um, let's start. I want to talk, touch on the Chad Reed controversy because it sort of started up again, um, as only Chad Reed can. But first, got to talk about this, this main event in the 450 class. If you want to see 
the definition of balls out in the dictionary. You will open the dictionary up under balls out. It will show you Eli Tomek's first five, six laps of that 450-man event. He mentioned he didn't know where Dungey was. Dungey had fallen in the first turn. And he got out to a poor start, JT. I like to think that uh, my prediction was correct on that. And he, that was balls out, Weege. That was amazing. He was, I was a little, not scared, but I'm like, I think he's going to fall. I think he's going to make a mistake. Yeah, several times I said that to you during it. I, I, I felt something coming. I'm like, this is too nutty, too crazy. The track is. And also the big problem is when you're stuck in the pack like that, it's always a little dangerous when you're going so much faster than everyone else. But also the, just the chances that the other dudes were going to make mistakes and he was going to get cleaned out. Yeah. I was like, the, the risk, this is a high-risk situation. And you could, in contrast, see Dungy, who also did a great job, make it argued just as well to come from literally last place to fourth. Or tell him that came from about 10th or 11th and second. Yeah. Dungy did a great job also, but Dungy was – doing doubles where you could do triples. He was trying to, you know, manage yeah. the risk. There was no management at all with Tomac. And then no. he did eventually go down, and you did kind of feel like if he ran that race 100 times, that type of thing was going to happen to Tomac 99 out of the 100. Like, he was just effing going for it. It was nuts, huh, JT? Yeah, he was uh, He was obviously pushing the limit. I mean, he started jumping rhythms that no other 450 guy was doing uh, kind of all day. Um, and now you know, a couple of the Reed followed him over the, the trip onto the tabletop, which is ironic with the, the drama going on with their Reed so McDundee thing. But I was when I was watching it, I knew that somebody in that group was going down between Tomac and Webb. I didn't know who, and it ended up being both because they were just pushing the edge so far, and the track was going away more and more. And you could see the way Dungey was kind of being conservative. And the way even Marv, he was uh, he won, and he was being conservative. Those guys were attacking the track, and I just think both of them were overriding it a bit. And it bit them, but they both, you know, oh. Tomek obviously was too fast to let it really ruin his race. But, yeah, they were they were obviously the most aggressive of the whole pack. Yeah, I want to say Dunge only had the sixth or eighth best lap time of the main event. It wasn't very high. Um, yeah, but his, his variation was probably the least. So oh, yeah, the last year, for know. sure. Um, yeah. But Tomac was just, he was nuts, man. Like, just nuts. Anderson, too. Anderson had a many sketchy moments on the track like that. And You know uh, who, you know who I, re- I would relate Tomac's racing style to, I find, would, would be Stu, where he, yeah. he he was the fastest guy. He was taking the most chances. He saved rhythm sections for the main event that nobody else had done, and he, he whipped them all out in the main event. And it, it got him, you know, tied for the points lead, but it also cost him a crash. So it was very Stu-like in how he... Did his whole main event. Yeah. yeah, and that crash was good. It was a good one. He did yeah, well to get up. Real bad. Oh yeah, and uh, Cooper Webb's crash was good also. Uh, yeah. He got lucky as well. Um, now, did you guys not see four D guys triple onto that tabletop in the practice, or was I in, was I seeing things? I did not see it. Uh, I saw a couple guys tie it up. Read every time he was on the track, he stopped and looked at it in practice in a heat race. Uh, he he would stop and stand there and look at it to just see if he could do it or what the deal was. So I knew it was coming. I didn't know who from, obviously. Um, but yeah, once you know, it wasn't. And you watch him do it. It wasn't anything that difficult. No. I mean, they weren't struggling. You know, it just it was just commitment. And if that was a normal hard pack track, there would have been there would have been twelve guys doing it. But yeah. just the conditions made it difficult. Well, and then you know, if you didn't quite get it, 
Then you go and you, uh, uh, you're, you know, going on to the next table. He was dropping his back end because he couldn't quite get on. It was very, very risky. Yep. So, um, what a ride, though. Oh, man. That's a hell of a ride. I feel like, Domac, I, I, uh you don't get to this situation much in this sport. It is kind of like a James Stewart thing. I feel like it's, it's almost like a football or basketball guy who's just, you know, you got this receiver who's like Randy Moss style. He's just bigger than everyone else on the field. And there's like, you know, it's coming, but there's nothing you can draw up on the defense to do anything about it. Uh, and that's kind of the way Tomac's always been. He doesn't always go on these roles, but when he does, he's just doing gnarly stuff that I feel like every other rider would be like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I can do about that. Yeah. The, the three in the rhythm, I'm surprised more guys weren't doing that. The second three, you know? You go three, three, three. Yeah, I agree, because even three right. guys could do it. Like, Jimmy Dakotas could get it. Yeah. You know? So I don't know how much the track was changing last yeah. lap, obviously, more than it looked. Yeah. It had to be a factor. Because Dunge had several chances to pull the trigger. Yeah. Like Dunge spent two laps getting tickle, uh, and the door was open. He just needed the triple, and he didn't do it. Now, I'm not going to criticize Dunge, because guys were crashing everywhere, and he came from 22nd to 4th. Yeah. But uh, for sure, it must have been way harder than it looked. Yeah, yeah. I think the bike too. Two of the are just so much more nimble in a spot like that, where the power is not such yeah. a big deal because they have power. They already have their momentum built. But the two fifty F is just so much wider and smaller and easier to maneuver in those ruts. Where the yeah. four fifty, it those bikes are obviously wider than any any one of, of us have ever ridden. But they're still big and bulky and a lot to deal with in that situation. So uh, I think that was more than anything. But it was impressive by Plessinger to nail that thing consistently. Yeah. Well, they're tied. Three laps left, or three rounds left. Things getting good. I don't know. Oh, incredible. I don't know how Dunge is going to stop this. You know, um, that was so good. Uh, and uh, yeah, he's just been well, he's just been doing that for a while now. Yeah, and he got lucky because well, he got unlucky crashing the first turn. Yep. But he got lucky that Tomac went down because he would not be tied if that hadn't happened. So. Um, I mean, we, we, I think, hold on. Same... You think, you think, you think Tomac gets Marv? Uh, I think there's a, there's a chance. Absolutely. I mean, he was catching him. Yeah. Significantly uh... catching him. If he keeps up his pace, the way he was going, jumping those rhythms and pushing that edge. I do. I, I, I'll, I'll take it back. I'll, I'll walk it back a little bit. If he gets Webb that first time uh-huh. and Webb doesn't park him right. like he did and screw his, all his momentum up, I absolutely think he gets him. But that, that kind of changed the whole race. That move by Webb after the whoops changed the whole race. Yeah, he definitely definitely knocked him out of his rhythm, and he made mention of that in the press conference as well. Um, yeah. But I don't know if but he gets more. Yeah. Webb. I mean, Webb doesn't care. Why would Webb care? That's what I – No, yeah. I Yeah, I keep uh, – you know, I think that's what Dungy struggled with a, a little bit mentally is that he thinks these guys shouldn't be racing him so, so hard. But and I kind of wrote that last week is like Webb and these guys they don't care man like they have so much they have to accomplish for their own career like they don't care like he doesn't care that Tomac's battling for title he really doesn't I promise you you can see it in his riding he doesn't care you go to the outside I'm gonna run you high so yeah um, yeah well, I think Dungey that, was was fortunate there one thing that Tomac mentioned I think was that he thought Dungey was in front of him for a while because he started so badly himself. Yep. And then he said once he got toward the front and he didn't see him, that's when he realized, okay, wait, maybe I have more time here. And then when Cooper repassed him, I think he knew at that point, okay, like, I got time. I don't need to get into a stuff, yeah. stuff fest block pass war. I got 12 minutes to work this out, and Gunji's not in front of me, so I'm cool. So I don't think it was Tomac necessarily being like, WTF, why are you trying to pass me? That's not allowed. 
I think it was more these guys are going to go for the kill because they got nothing to lose, yeah. and I cannot get into a stuff fest. No. Go ahead and have it. Yeah, yeah. He, he said that. He said, uh, I don't yeah. want yeah. to get in a mess with that guy or the, those type of guys or something. He said, like, yeah, a situation I didn't want to be in. But yeah. yeah, if you're Anderson or Webb, like, exactly, JT, what do you care? You will block past the crap out of someone to get a podium. You don't care who yeah. it is. Yeah. So well, if you're telling Max, just be like, okay, guys. And that's, cool. and that's where I – if that was happening for eighth, I might go like, eh – but it's for a podium spot, man. It's a lot of money, a lot of you know, a lot of prestige. Yeah, race yeah, along well, the crowd. Yeah, Cooper's been paid a lot of money. Yeah, go ahead. Cooper's a big deal. I mean, he's one of the guys. He's one of the highest paid guys in that class, and he needs he needs results right now. Hasn't gone well this year. He uh, he got the, he qualified fastest. He won a heat, and uh, he was in position for the podium. So it was a good day for Cooper, despite that crash. But. Again, his crash wasn't that much of a surprise. He was pushing. He was pushing, man. So, um, you know. Well, yeah, he should. I mean, what does he have to lose? You know, yeah. other than injury, obviously, that's, no one yeah. wants that. But why Why hold back? Go right. for it. So. Yeah. Um, so, getting back to what I was saying, like, uh, what do you think? I mean, Dun- can Dunge stop this right now? Uh, the only oh. way that he's going to stop it, is what I feel like it's the same scenario, and we've gone from you know uh, in the teens and points down to single digits to four last week is tied now, and and I don't think anything has changed, absolutely nothing, and we've been saying this that Dungey's gonna have to win, period. There is no there is no way to hold him off without winning races, and and we've been talking about that for a while. And even though it's tied now, it's the same scenario. So I, I don't think his goal should change. He's got to win races. That's the only way that this title is going to stay with him and at KTM is to win races. Eli's too good. He just crashed, went over the bars, and still got second. So yeah. if you're waiting for a mistake, that's you know how, that's going to be at your own peril. How about the bike starting real quickly too? Like that's another thing. Uh, somebody brought up to me in the in the pits about like yeah, you know KTM has that button. Like if something goes wrong. KTM has got the button to start the bike right up. Eli in the mud, or not mud, but you know in the in the mudish type dirt. Say he slips off the Kickstarter, thing doesn't fire, all that. You know. You so. say mudage? I don't know what I said. All right. Uh, um, so Weege, yeah, what do you think? Like he's got to win races. He's got to stop this. I, I, I mean, obviously, straight up speed wise, winning races over Tomac is going to be very difficult. I think the only thing you have on your side here is uh, JGR guys right there. Daily, that's the expensive. They're going to the expensive parking lot. Uh, oh, so, yeah. when you get down to a three-race series and it's tied, the one thing is that you almost have to say in some ways, like, all bets are off. Like, there's just no room for error. And as we saw, anyone getting a first-turn crash or Tomax crash could have been way worse, way worse. So, I don't know. Once you're down to three races, who the hell knows? Uh, what can happen. Certainly, Tomac's got speed and momentum, and if the three races just go normal, it's probably going to go his way, but, I mean, you just never know when it's down yeah. to three races. That's essentially the shortest series ever. Three races. Here's the thing. Well, fell their chase, right? Yeah. It, if, yeah. You, if you reversed the circumstances last night, you put Eli down on the first turn, and you put Dunge you know, let's say tenth where Eli was, right? Do we? Did, I need. I need to look at a lap chart, but he was at least tenth that opening lap. I would say that's fair, yeah. right? Yep. Uh, I think Tomac still beats him. Straight up, the way it was, 
Tomac, no, I think you're right. I think it's a catastrophic. It takes a catastrophic. His bike has to break, or he has to get hurt. Right. Seen, but this level of speed, or he has to crash three times, maybe going that balls out, which maybe is possible. Yeah. But because you know uh, we we see his we yeah. see Dungey's lap times, and he's in tenth, and he'll move up. There's no doubt about that. He's going to move up from that tenth, just like Eli did. But I don't know if he gets Anderson. I don't know if he gets well, he gets Coop because Coop goes down. But I think Eli goes right by him at some point in the main event. So that's how much better Eli is right now. Or you think if you think if Ryan Holshots and he's out there with with Marv that no he wins yeah 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 I think he wins Marvin made mention he's going to help Ryan I asked him directly right. in the, afterwards so he made yeah. mention that he's going to help Ryan out you know well, um, that, which is interesting because you listen to Marv on the on his television broadcast and he was basically saying like I can be Ryan I'm going to try to be Ryan I, everyone's talking about team tactics I just beat him in the heat race straight up and then. He tells you, I'm going to try to help Ryan. So, pick a side. Wow. I haven't watched a TV show yet, but I understand that three laps from the end, Emig busted out, and he's tripling onto the table. That's going to make me very upset. That's the prediction I make. When If, if Jeff says three laps from the end, he's tripling onto the table. So, I'll get to that in a second. Well, but I, well, to answer my question, like, which is it, though? If he's telling you he's going to help Ryan, and then mm. he's... He's basically calling everyone out, and I would assume us and other teams that have been talking behind the scenes of saying that, you know, he's going to try to help Ryan. So which right. which is it? Like you can't call us out and then in the next very next interview with you say I'm going to help Ryan. Uh, fifty fifty chance Millsaps made it easier on Dunge. That's for sure, and that's fine. Whatever. It wasn't for a podium. It's coming through the pack. So, and I'm not even sure if he yeah, did. Yeah, that was exactly. interesting. Yeah. Again, though, really, like, hey, dude, it was. A gnarly main event, and Dungey's in awesome shape, and he was obviously going way faster. He caught him from last place. I, I don't understand why all of a sudden when Dungey does what what he would normally do in 90% of the races he's been in his entire career, now we have to assume it's because people are helping him. Just like last week. Well, like, There's no way he could beat Marvin straight up. No way. Marvin must have, must have uh, up. There's no way he could pass Millsaps for fourth. Well, no. At this point? No, I just think Millsaps made it a little easy on him. That's all. Didn't, I would say the, you know? his line choice was... Uh, Peculiar. My choice is interesting for yes. that double. Right. Um, that's all. But whatever. Who cares? You know, that's fine. Um, you'd la- but last week's conspiracy theory that Marv backed off, I will not buy that. No way. No chance. No, I'm that. not on that one, yeah. Yeah, no way. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was a great race, man. Holy crap. It was more exciting. Um, the, the start, though, JT, I was right on the start. I, I, and Eli's start choice... Start gate choice was peculiar. I'm going to go back from my column and look at it, but I kind of did some rough math, and he could have been like by Barsha, kind of on the inside, and he made mention in the press conference that the inside, he saw guys getting pinched off, and he saw the gates were hammered, so that's why he went outside the box. I think it was three out of the box, and with that going width, short start straight, the way the corner was, I'm like, oh boy, and it, it did bite him. Um, I didn't like the start gate choice, but again, I'm not down on the line, so maybe he had no choice, but it was a little unusual. Yeah, he was outside, and it was interesting because I think he went with the age-old Carmichael adage of uh, condition over position, and I think he found a gate on the outside that he the rut was probably good and straight, and he felt like he could get out of it cleanly. But yeah, I would argue the other side because Unless you absolutely nail the jump, which he did not, yeah, you have no chance out there. No, and he was starting next to a great starter in Justin Braden, which 
is is rough because you always want to start for him, his starts have been great, but typically you want to try to find guys that aren't great starters. Like mm-hmm. I'm not going to start next to a guy that I know whole shots every race. That's just, you know, going in, that's what you try to avoid, right? Yeah. So I don't know. Neither of us were down there to see what he was dealing with, uh, but it was interesting and peculiar. In it. And obviously for getting him, him getting second, it all worked out. But, um, yeah, I, I yeah. think looking back, you could say maybe he should have been more impressed. Yeah, no, exactly. You, you, know, you never know. But um, So this Chad Reed thing, he came to the press conference, Wygant. That was good. Yamaha brought him and Cooper Webb, which was was good. And Jimmy Perry made sure that, oh, look, I brought him. You told me, and I brought him, blah, blah, blah. So um, anyways, um, he Chad's, Chad's appealing this thing, which I, I thought Ouija couldn't appeal it. What happened there? Didn't we see... Something that said he couldn't appeal it? Yeah, there's a lot of uh, ins and outs, as they would say, on uh, Big Lebowski. I heard <laughs> a lot complicated from, case. Yeah. Very complicated case, yes. I heard a lot from the FIM side uh, hanging out. We actually I had to go in the AMA truck a lot this weekend because we had a new guy working in the subscription booth, and that's what hauls our easy up. Mm-hmm. So I was in and out of that truck all weekend, and obviously this is a hot topic. And then it got even hotter when uh, we were approached by Chad Reed's agent saying, uh, the FIM has put out bad info saying we have not appealed or cannot appeal. Uh, we're not happy about that because basically when you don't appeal, it makes it look like you admitted guilt. And uh, we know one thing about Chad Reed, that's not happening. So <laughs> right. it was interesting that Chad ended up coming to the press conference to clearly state his case, which I know that uh, we argue is he a media favorite or not, but I'm going to say kudos to him for saying I'm going to take the situation by the reins and I'm going to speak my piece. Uh, and you know, Chad was probably in there for an hour and a half talking to anyone who wanted to interview him to yeah. get his point across. So what I heard from the FIM side is they said, yeah, you can appeal it. Here's how you appeal it. Here's the paperwork. Uh-huh. And we would like to do it at 9 a.m. Saturday in Seattle. And what they say is that Chad wanted a lawyer to be there, and the lawyer probably couldn't arrange to get there at that time, or you know, that's only a couple days' notice. And they said, uh, no, this is when it's going to be. And the rules say that you have to represent yourself. Like, you, it's going to be John Gallagher and Chad Reed in front of a panel, not lawyers. Uh, lawyers, I believe, can sit next to them or be there with them. So there were some scheduling conflicts in a way. So that's why both sides can say two different things. One side can say, we did let you appeal. And the other side said, we are appealing. And uh, they can't seem to see eye to eye on that. Now, the whole other issue is, of course, forget the appeal. Reed saying that he's 100% innocent in the first place, which is a entirely different part of the situation. Yeah, um, It was practically performance art uh, from Chad, the way he was able to weave his story. Uh, believe him or not, it was a spectacular performance on his part. Uh, JT, so your friend Chad Reed says he did not – he saw blue flags. Dungey wasn't close to him. He moved over as soon as he made a mistake. And this is all bullshit. Uh, yeah. What do you expect him to say? Unless you're David Fingry, what do you expect him to say? Um, yeah, that's why I say it's performance art. Like, yeah, he, he, if you're going in to have a court case or an appeal or something, um, you're just never going to admit guilt. You're just not. And he can take enough facts and frame the case enough. I mean, it's really quite brilliant. Like, you know, one of the points he makes is that Tungy's times got worse after he went around Chad, which is true. Um, but, Steve, you and I were in the press box watching. Dungey was completely rattled and just fell apart after that. You know, yeah. before he got to Chad, he was charging. He was going after Tomac. Confidence was building. Things were looking good. 
And after Chad, he was probably furious. And then he started riding like absolute crap. So it is true, though, if you look at the paper, Dungey got slower after he got around Chad. So Chad can say, well, other lappers must have held him up even worse. Well, I don't think that's really why Dungey got slower, but Chad did a great job of collecting enough facts to state uh, his case. And by the way, had the black flag thing not happened two years ago, I don't think this would be nearly as big a deal. But we know that Chad Reed and uh, John Gallagher don't get along, and that's a huge part of this. I, when JT, when you say, what do you expect him to say? You just say, yep, that's what I did. I'm pissed. Well, and and, you, yeah, and five grand is nothing to him, and five points is nothing. Well, and hold on. You just own it. If you're, if, if you're Chad and you don't want to give away five points, you don't want to give away five grand. Um, then you don't do that. Then you don't do that move. Okay, okay, well, hold on. And you don't want you, our Chad Reed, and your base. You know, we've talked about how stubborn he is, and he believes, or in his own mind, he feels like that he was justified. No, he's not, he doesn't. He doesn't. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm just telling you, and I wrote this somewhere. I'm trying to think where it was. I don't know if it was in Breakdown or if it was a 3 on Somewhere I wrote this, and I really think it comes down to it's not what you know, it's what you can prove. And I think he knows that for them to prove this will be very difficult. So, uh, uh, as, we, as we've talked about repeatedly, he executed it perfectly. He never looked back. He never did anything to run Dungey high, to do anything crazy. And Dungey really never got close enough. So, it's going to be difficult. I, I really do think I think he has a shot at winning his appeal. Do I personally think he did it on purpose? I absolutely do. Yes. And I've stated that repeatedly. He did it on purpose. He knew what he was doing. He's super smart. He's very aware on the racetrack. Wow. And anyone in that spot whether it was me or Chad Reed or Vince Freeze or Eli Tomac or whoever, whoever's been in a main event enough times knows what you're doing out there. And he knew what he was doing, but can they prove that he knew what he was doing? That's the tough part. <sighs> I don't like it. I don't like it at all. Nope. Not at all. Well, if, nope. you, if it comes down to saving five grand or not, maybe you would. Well, five grand is nothing to him. So but whatever. You, you know and I, this is my biggest point. Do you know how much satisfaction he would gain out of the FIM having to repeal that if they lost the appeal? Uh, I, I don't know. Could you imagine how happy well, and how I, much I, satisfaction he would look, gain out of that? You did it. You did it on purpose. Pay the fine. Be like Bradshaw. Be like Bradshaw with Roy Jansen. Hey, Bradshaw, you're fined you know, $500. Here, Roy, here's 1000 for the next one. But you can't prove that, though. That's his whole point. No, I can prove the Bradshaw thing, and it really happened. But no, I'm talking about Chad. But I, I, I'm disappointed in Chad. I really am. I'm disappointed. Um, you, you just, you just lie. You, he's lying. He's lying, and he's appealing, and he's dragging everything through the mud for no reason. He's making people look bad. He wants John Gallagher's job. Blah blah blah. And okay, but you know, you I know like how bitter he still is over the black. Well, black whatever. Thing. I like John. I would. I. I absolutely agree oh, like, in, the, like, in the fact that there's inconsistent. Is that a real thing, or is that like a no? Is that like a, a thing? <laughs> is it like Irv? You mean right? Exactly. No, I like John. I like John, but he's inconsistent with his rulings, and I do believe we have the, we're, we're a multi-million-dollar sport, and John Gallagher has a day job and shows up on the weekends. That's a joke. It's a joke. It, it, I agree with that. It, it's absolutely a joke that he's not available to police, to think, to help teams, to talk to teams, to talk to fail, blah, blah, blah. So, anyways, I'm not, yeah, I'm not happy. 
This aggression will not stand, Weege. Yeah, and I, I agree with you, Steve, certainly more so uh, than J.T. Shot. I mean, I know where J.T.'s coming from. Like, this is well, like he's trying to protect the buddy. J.T.'s trying to be still bro no, with Chad. No, I, he's no, still no, I to... think he's giving you Chad Reed's perspective, which is... Yeah, I know Chad Reed's perspective. I want his opinion. I want J.T.'s opinion. He's not giving it to us. He's just oh, trying to... Oh, I see. I see. This to the difference. Sorry. I give you my opinion. I think he did it and knew he did it. I yeah, so what about... So, okay, but what about, this, what about appealing? What about appealing? Do you Are you in favor of that? Am I... Uh, do you. I think he should appeal it? No, I think he should own it. Okay, fine, perfect. And laugh at the FIM and say, "Yeah, don't, don't, you know, don't poke the bear, don't screw with me if you don't okay. want to get screwed all with." Okay, all right, perfect. That's all. That's what that's I say my, too. That's my that's my opinion. But you, having said that, you and I both know Chad Reed. Do you think he's going to do that? Hell no, he's not going to do that. You do he's the, the most stubborn hey, person on earth. He what? will never admit fault. He will never admit fault. You do he the is, you, you do the crime. You do the time, man. But he will never admit he did the crime. I'm telling you, I know him very well, and you do too. Not as well as me, but I know you know him very well. He would never admit fault. Never, never. I don't like it. I don't like it. And that's fine. I don't blame you. I don't. I don't. I never said I liked it either. Right. I'm just telling you that's his personality. Weech. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I don't like, uh, I mean, I wasn't pumped over the idea that I might have been over the agent, which is clearly just to build some evidence to be used in a court case, you know, so they can put their stuff out there. Uh, if, a, if the writer wants to come to the press conference and state his case, that's great. That's yeah. the way they should handle yeah, it. I'm yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, whatever. Yes. But, uh, the, the, yeah, okay, dude, we're not stupid. We're not stupid. We all know that this was done on purpose. So to me, like, we either have a choice now where we're all either – going to have to say, Chad, you're a liar, which is essentially what you and I are doing, Steve, or we have to be fanboys and say, oh, maybe I can see his side. But basically, when he says that he didn't do it, it basically, in his mind, he's saying publicly, anyone who thought he did it must be an idiot because he didn't do that. And it's like, wait, we're all, so I guess I'm an idiot because I thought you did it on purpose. Uh and I guess Mathis, you're an idiot. And I guess JT, after you're an idiot, because even even you think that's you're fine. Not and, I guess and that's every fine. single he, person that yep. I, I guess we're all just stupid. He, he didn't know. know. He didn't know what Dunn said after the heat. Satellite if, wasn't if working. He, Satellite wasn't working in the truck. Too, if he asked too much, if he asked me to my face, I would tell him, "Come on, dude. Come on. Like I don't care. Whatever. I'm not going to pay your fine for you, but come on. Yeah. Really? Like that's you and I both know. You and I have been in between us three or four hundred main events." Uh, yeah, you knew you knew who was behind you. Like you can see him coming. Like that's the whole thing. Like I can see people coming, whether they're really catching me or whether they're laughing at me. Like you know who's coming. Everyone's done this. Like I know the listeners haven't been out there in these main events, but you know exactly who's catching you and who's coming. It's, this is really, really transparent to me. And I hate talking about Chad like that, and I hate saying that, but this is so black and white for people who have ever raced. It's, it's beyond unbelievable. Well, this is my point. We have to keep hammering on this because if he's going to try to make the point using the media that he was innocent, then we have to either just be cheeseball rollover guys to say, oh, that's what he had to say. He makes a pretty good point. Or we no. have to push back and say, yeah, not buying it. I'm not buying it. No. So and, and we shouldn't even have to dance this dance. I'm not Wolf you know, Blitzer. Yeah. I'm not Wolf Blitzer. Yeah. Well, we shouldn't have the dance this dance the on this show to debate this. We shouldn't even debate it. It shouldn't even be debatable. <laughs> Yeah, as the only person who's been in this scenario, and I've been in this scenario probably more than any, I would say up there with more than any person on earth as far as being lapsed in a main event, I think it's probably, I don't know, I would say I probably have been lapsed more than anyone else in the main event history. You know exactly who's coming. 
if Chad I, I, if Chad wants I don't to, know how else to tell you, this. you know, if Chad wants to use this as a greater platform, which is what he told me after the race to, you know, move the sport to a professional level and in, in, in the in the like MotoGP and F1, and I'm okay with all of that because I do yeah. think it needs to be. I think it is. I don't yeah. know, again, I like John Gallagher, but I, I, that whole thing is really weird. And we have the FIM, and, and the AMA is somewhere in there, and Feld is in there somewhere, and I, it's such a shit show. Great. Let's, let's, I'm good with that. Let's rewrite yeah. the rules, and let's be more professional. I'm all for that, which Chad kind of yeah. made mention that he wants to do, but, but come on, stop it. Stop it. Yeah, I'm good with that. I just don't think the premise, this premise, he, is going to make that happen. He didn't know what Dungy said. He didn't get satellite in the pits. Okay, sure. Right on. Okay. No, All right. Can't buy that either. No, 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 no. So, anyways, pay the five grand, take the five points, and be like, yep. Don't screw yeah, it, it, Dunge. It, pain, it pains me. To, it pains me to take such a hard line. No, but because he's my friend. But I also can't. I can't sit by and just just act like I'm a moron either because that's. But, I don't feel like that's right either. Yeah. Well, hey, one other thing that he did that was spectacular is in these interviews, Chad is so good at this, uh, we all know that Dungy went over to Chad and they had a conversation. Now, I shouldn't even say it that way. All we know is they had a conversation. It doesn't necessarily mean that Chad, that Dungy did all of it and he's the but, one that manned up and Chad sat there. For all we know, they texted each other and said, hey, where do you want to meet? And they, no, I heard that Dunge was kneeling. Uh, Dunge was kneeling uh, down yeah, 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 yeah. and... Well, just the fact that it was that Yamaha led people like Ping to be like, he shouldn't have had to go over there. Chad should have come to him. Well, maybe they could have. Who knows why they met there? It could have been. I, said, you want I, me yeah. to come to you or you want me to come there? I yeah, don't care. stop it's dwelling weird. on that. Right. It doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. So, right. But anyway, so they have a meeting. Chad is so brilliant with his work with the press. And Dunge, meanwhile, didn't even go to the press conference. So that's the exact opposite of being brilliant. Do you want me to start with that right now? Do you want me to start on that now or later? I know you probably want to go off. And here's your proof. Yes, Dunge has not been doing any more media besides if he finished on the podium, he comes to the press conference. He does no more. I know that you're not happy about that. But here's how Chad uses this platform to slay the dragon. We all know that the person that did the worst thing in this situation was Chad. Okay, Dunge called him a name and somewhat maybe started a first-turn crash, which we all know first-turn crashes are generally somewhat random. Uh, so anyway, Dungey really wasn't the, the bad guy in this situation, right? Like, he no. did 10% as bad as what Chad did. But in these interviews, Chad's like, Chad's acting like the bigger man. Like, you know what? I'm cool with Dunge. I'm all right with it. I understand that Dunge is under pressure, and that's making him do weird things, and I get it. I'm cool with it. And I'm thinking, well, you're cool with him. Well, of course you are. He didn't even do anything that bad. It, it, you're the one that did the thing that got penalized. Why, of course you're okay with him. But Chad gets to put that out there. Uh, now Chad says that he never had problems. Everything with Dunge was always cool. There were no issues. Uh, Dunge is just under a lot of pressure and saying a lot of weird things that he probably will regret later. And I'm thinking, but you're the one that blocked him. But in Chad's mind, he didn't. So Chad doesn't even have a reason to apologize because he didn't even do anything wrong. It was, like I said, it was performance art. It was yeah. an amazing job. And if you're Chad Reed, as JT is saying, this is what you're going to do. And he did a great job of doing it. None of us agree with what he's saying. But if your stance is, I'm going to fight the hell out of this, yeah, he's sure. pushing all the right buttons. So, JT, you think he wins this? Uh, I don't think so. No, oh. I don't. I think uh, I think the FIM sticks by the fact that he had opportunities to move and didn't, and I think the the, the ruling stands. I do. Oh, okay. Uh, well, you were talking about how hard it was to prove, so I thought maybe. Well, I do think it's hard to prove it, but I think the way the rules are written, which are incredibly gray and vague, 
Yeah. But I I think uh I think the easier route for all of this is to be like, Yeah, yeah, no, we're we're just we're fine with what was called. Move on. All right. Well I don't like the fact that it's dragging on and people are gonna start talking about that and it's just it's stupid because you did it. That's it. Boom. You did it. Well yeah. I think the biggest thing of all this is that Chad is still bitter from the black flag from two years ago. And there's no way he's ever admitting anything well, wrong to that, that the, organization. The black no flag way. was a shit call then, and it's a shit it call now. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. So, As much as I'm on the other side on this one, I think that the black flag yep. was ridiculous in that right. situation. Um, all right. Let's yep. get more into back. Is there anything else on this? Weege, J- J- JT, anything else on this? Mm-hmm. I'm good. <laughs> Should Donj have come to the press conference? Should he have come to the press conference? Yep. yep. Yeah. Brutal. Yep. How are we? Yeah, brutal. I don't. Uh, I don't know, man. I don't know how don't, he doesn't show up. It's 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 brutal. Whatever. Yeah, we, he's the champ. We're down to three races. It's tied. He he wrote uh, great. He wrote incredible. He wrote great. Yes. Yep. Yeah. What a, uh, what a joke. Just a joke. You know, we had our subscription contest winners here this weekend uh, again, like we had in St. Louis and Glendale. And uh, Steve, you made a point to them. The things that we know as facts that we just take for granted in our jobs uh, that blow some fans' mind where you're like, oh, you'd be amazed how much the tail wags a dog in this sport, and you can pretty much suggest the riders do things, but they pretty much do whatever they want, and no one can force them, uh, even though someone else is paying their paychecks. And that goes in a million things, autograph sessions, commercials, and who knows what else. Training, showing up at the test track, all these things. Uh, Yeah, there isn't a mechanism in this sport, there never has been, where anyone could force a rider to to press, even though he's a champ of the series and he's tied for the points lead with three races to go. I mean, this is the dream scenario if you're felt. This doesn't happen in MotoGP, I don't think, or F1 or, or NASCAR, does it? I, I can't. I can't imagine. I mean, at this point, we don't have a race next weekend, so this mean Dunge will be dark for 14 days in the midst of this yep. tie for the series. Yep. I cannot imagine that there would be zero media in that in a 14 big span under the circumstances. JT, JT, MotoGP's dumb, but if no, Rossi if Rossi gets 7th, uh, does he still talk after the race? Uh, he'll talk, yeah, but he's not one of the press conference. Okay, but some he, someone will pull him aside and and he'll have a little scrum uh, with guys? Uh, a scrum would be like a fight, right? What? A scrum is like a like a dust up? No. A scrum is just a meeting of people. Okay. I always thought it was like a some sort of uh yeah. yeah. Okay. Would, would 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 Rossi come out and speak after a seventh to a bunch of reporters in the pits or somewhere? Uh he would speak to people certainly, but MotoGP is different. Like it's such a bigger bigger sport than ours. Like he he would have his favorite guys that he would speak to. Okay. Any, um, I, I don't, but yeah, he any, would talk any, to people. Yeah. Anybody. That would you hear from yep. him? Look, Dunge doesn't yep. like Steve Mathis necessarily, but would he talk to Wygant? I don't care. Just somebody. Well, yeah, and, that, and that's that's a larger point to how their organization realizes things. I, I, don't, I think it's just more it's more organized on that these, level. These these guys, Roxon, Tomac, Dunge, they're five million dollar plus athletes. Well, those guys are twenty plus million. Yeah, but whatever. It's a different level. I, I agree your point. Your point is the same. It, does, it shouldn't matter how much money they make. Yeah, I, I do agree with you. Yeah. But I guess if if I complain about it on this podcast and everything, I'm a whiny bitch. I don't know. I, I just I don't care about myself talking to him. I want to know what he had to say from anybody. Yep. Well, that's and all. Yeah, that's the whole thing. Is I understand. I understand Dungey's that he's super pissed. 
Like, he's really unhappy. He's not even on the podium. He's tied for the points lead. He lost again. Um, but for the larger essence of the sport, yes, people want to know how Dungey felt about the race. And that's, that's what I know he doesn't care because I've been in that moment where he just pissed off and he, does, he really well, doesn't care. Okay. Rossi doesn't care. But, Jimmy Johnson doesn't care, but they do it. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's just a different, it's a different perspective. And no, I don't well, think our sport's there yet. Well, no, because our head referee has a, uh, has a job during the week. So there's right. another reason. And that's, it's all, it all, it's all runs right. together. It all it runs, runs together. Same vein. Right. Yeah, it's the same vein. Exactly. We have media taking photos with riders in the press conference afterwards. Literally mm-hmm. taking selfies with riders. Media. Yeah. So that just, that probably yeah, goes along with the, a, that goes along with the day job and everything else. Right. Yeah, it's all the right. same, same concept. Right. So we stop taking selfies, please, in the press conference. Please. Uh, yeah, my, my, my kid loves Chad, man. And Chad Dennison. That's you guys. Chad I, uh Last week when I landed when I landed at home, I got a text from my dad because my son loves Chad Reed. And he said, how are you going to explain this this one from his role model? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Hey, we got to move on here. Um, yeah. Anything, Heat Race Mookie was, was in the main event for a little while. Heat Race Mookie was getting us very excited while I get. He was back. But... It all went to shit after a crash. Yeah, yeah, and there were a lot of crashes all around. Um, you know, I think Jason Anderson got a podium for two reasons. A, obviously he got a good start, and he's one of the best in the business at saving it, uh, which is a difference in him. And everyone had huge mistakes, everybody. Yep. Even in practice, you'd watch and be like, oh, man, Millsap's almost ate it. Oh, yeah. wait, no, everyone is almost eating it. Well, um, what but about what that's about the difference in this race? Yeah. What about Clayson and Ray and Antignaps and stuff? Oh my God! Like all yeah. of those dudes about died twenty times a lap. Yeah. Every yeah. one of them. They just yeah. Um, we didn't even yeah. talk about Marvin yeah. though. We didn't even talk about Marvin, but it was a great track for him. We'll talk about the two fifties in a second. But like Plessinger, Marvin winning is not a surprise. JT, not at all. Very technical rider. Very easy to put sections together wheel tap stuff, put his front end where he needs to put it on a ruddy, shitty track. Not a surprise Marvin did well. No, I knew he would ride really well. Um, the interesting thing, I thought Eli would win just because he's won everything lately. I was really interested to see how the Dungy-Marvin uh, dynamic played out. Obviously with the you know Ryan crashing on the start and Marvin can't even see Ryan anywhere, you know, it, it didn't there was really no uh, conversation about it, but that was what I was more interested in is if those guys work together like they were in the heat race, does Marvin make it easy for Ryan or how does that play out? But I never had a doubt that Marvin would be fast. Yeah. On that track with, with the whoops that are basically going to be a straightaway by the end of the night, uh, very technical, slower track. You knew Marvin was going to be great. I mean, you give him a whole shot and then it kind of lights out. Yeah. Not surprised, huh? Weech? No. Um, Obviously, it takes certain circumstances to make it happen, but we're, we're realizing how good Marvin is, and I think JT said it. He probably has the largest variance track-to-track uh, of anyone maybe in the series, or he can be a, anywhere from an eighth to first-place guy in some tracks, and he's a first- or second-place guy uh, on other tracks. Um, but he's really had a great season. I mean, this is one of the – to me, this is going to go down as one of the biggest um, improvement years. Uh, that anyone's had. Like, uh, Marvin was, when he won his 250 title two years ago, obviously was really good and really dominant. But you never know how it's going to go. Well, uh, he was. Not on the level. Yeah, That's he's not. Uh, 
Yeah. Sorry. When he wins his 250 title, he's yeah. 26 years old. He's been in it a yeah. bunch. He's been in it for years. He's on a great bike. He's two-time world champion. Like you're like, okay, well, finally, Marv. You know. Yeah. I mean, we've seen plenty of guys do that, win that title, and not get to this level where any week. When you're at the level of any weekend, you're in the conversation to win the 450 main event. I mean, that is elite, 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 and he's absolutely gotten himself there. And, uh, I mean, there's a few guys that are just so good and talented. I don't think anyone doubted Ken Rockson or yeah. Mac would get there, uh, Carmichael, Stu. But uh, these other guys, I mean, it could go either way. And he's done a really good job. Yeah. I mean, he's no. right in the hunt every weekend. Yeah, it's great to see. He uh, mm-hmm. His crash afterwards was pretty good. His little celebration crash, jeez. Watch out, Marv. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was funny, too, in the press conference that, I guess, you know, Tomac and Anderson didn't even know that happened. They are just headed to the podium. They didn't realize yeah. that Marv crashed. Yeah. So their whole room's reaction to Marvin explaining it, and then Anderson being like, wait, are you serious? You crashed? And then they're high-fiving so, each other, and it's pretty cool. Like, can Marv, can Marv be the 2018 Supercross champion? Say Dunge hangs it up. We don't He's know about KTM's only hope. We don't know about Kenny. We don't know about Kenny. We don't know if he's coming back at 100% or what's going on. I would say I think Kenny will, but I would say just right off the top of my head, 75% chance only that Kenny comes back to his old level. Very good chance, 20, 25%, you know, that he doesn't recover from this. Yeah. And again, it's that's not, not a guarantee. No. You can't. Hell no. It. Yeah. So no. you got Eli and Marv. Yeah. Hot take. I'm going to say it's hot take. Done just done. And Marvin is KTM's number one guy going into 2018. Okay. Well, what about Stu ever racing again? Are you still going to hang on to that? Well, I'm still undefeated on that one. Yeah, no, you are. Um, (laughs) All right. Hey, let's take a commercial break here. Listen to this Mission Mission Starcross 5 commercial and this Racetech suspension commercial. Use the code PulpMX17 to save with the folks at Racetech. We'll be right back to touch on 250s. Hey, thanks, everybody, for listening to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis podcast on RacerX. I want to talk to you a little bit about Racetech. The folks at Racetech have been uh, on board with us for a long time. And use the code PulpMX17 when you're checking out to save money. Get your suspension done, please. Come on. Give your bike some love. All right? If, if you're looking to get the most of your bike suspension, get Racetech's proven lineup of suspension components and services done at the headquarters in Corona, California, or at your local Racetech service center. And check out the helpful guides on Racetech.com and pick up a do-it-yourself gold valve kit. It's a revalve in a box. Things have been around a long time. Also, too, Racetech doing engines now. Valve jobs, porting, honing, decking, and more. Whether you're looking for a rebuild or a high-performance upgrade, Racetech's engine services department experience, staff, and state-of-the-art equipment have you covered. I can vouch for that. I've seen it myself. Give Racetech a call and mention Pulp Mex for a special discount. Please, check them out. Thanks to the guys at Racetech. Hi, Randy Richardson from Michelin here, and I'd like to thank the Pulp MX Show listeners for your support and share some information about Michelin motorcycle tires. Michelin offers motorcycle tires for everything from cruisers to sport touring, sport bikes, and adventure touring motorcycles. And as we celebrate our 10-year anniversary of our iconic partnership with Harley-Davidson, you'll find Michelin Scorcher tires on an increasing number of factory-equipped Harley-Davidson motorcycles. New for 2017, Michelin introduces the new benchmark for sport bike tires, the Michelin Power RS, featuring many of Michelin's patented technologies, all of which contribute to the incomparable grip, handling, and flickability of the Michelin Power RS. I just want to hear the motocross stuff. Fair enough. 
let's focus on the Michelin Starcross 5. Because the Pulp MX show listeners are important to Michelin, we're going to continue to sponsor Steve's janky radio show. That's right. While I'm not like some people who say, I know everything. I do know a few things about motorcycle tires, and I'd like to share some of the key features and benefits of the Michelin Starcross 5 tires with you. And I promise it's not a bunch of corporate blah, blah, blah. The Michelin Starcross 5 tires are specifically designed for use in a broad range of conditions and terrain. They're available in sand, soft, medium, and hard versions, and are offered in 21 size and fitment applications. Yeah, you like that? In addition to the exceptional performance and durability, the redesigned architecture of the Michelin Starcross 5 features a bead profile that makes the tires easier to install. And everyone knows... Easier mounting, always a good feature. If you're riding on Michelin Starcross 5 tires, but you have friends that are still buying other brands, please tell them... No, 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 no. Encourage them to try a set of Michelin Starcross 5 tires. And if you haven't tried Michelin Starcross 5 tires yet? You're out of your mind, dude. Visit your local dealer or online retailer to purchase a set of Michelin Starcross 5 tires and install them on your bike. Who knows? They might just help you learn to do a backflip in a day. It worked for the Doom Goon. To learn more, visit MichelinMotorcycle.com and follow us on Instagram at Michelin Motorcycle. And we're back. FlyRacing.com. Please check out FlyRacing.com online. JT, uh, uh, please check out Fly Racing next time you have a chance to. I would agree with that wholeheartedly. Um, Jason Wygant, Jason Thomas here. This is the Seattle Supercross Review. And uh, the race is actually on right now in front of me on TV. Just started. So Jimmy D uh, riding well. So let's talk about 250s. Um, all day long, and JT, we did the Fly Racing Moto 60 show. And I don't know if it was your segment or not, but... I mean, I call Plessinger for the win, and I'm, and I'm not saying that um, I'm, I'm super smart because I think that was pretty obvious. He was on another level. I expected him to be on another, another level where it was Indiana last year, Indiana Supercross, Indianapolis Supercross, or Indiana um, National or whatever. Ruts and sloppy tracks agree with Aaron Plessinger, and he was uh, both starts. We had a red flag. He was the man. See you later. Yeah, I thought Hill would win, though. You did? The heat race. Okay. Yeah, but Hill, Hill's best lap was like a second and a half better than anyone in his heat. I, I just thought Hill would win. And, uh, you know, he showed a second, and that's all he needs to do. He just needs to ride something out. Um, but I did. And, and really, it was more based on the first few rounds where the tracks were, I don't want to say the same as Seattle because they weren't, but bad conditions, ruddy, soft. Uh-huh. But really didn't have it. He just wasn't there. Even when we thought he would be, he wasn't on that level. So that was more the Plessinger that we thought we'd get at the first few rounds. Uh-huh. So I guess better late than never. Uh, but I thought Hill would bring it, and he, and he did. He still got second. He rode great. Yeah, no, he raced yeah. all, all that good stuff. Fast qualifier, yada, yada. Um, if, you're Hill, yeah, was, if you're Hill and you got second and you have an 18-point lead instead of 21 with that track, you just take it all day. Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. All you're trying to do is uh, ride this thing out. Yep. I don't think he he is stressing about Plessinger. Um, if you look at what the rounds they have left, which they have uh, just Salt Lake and Vegas, and I don't think he's worried at all. So in that situation, you see Plessinger's riding just, you know, he, he's right. obviously feeling it. You're not going to push to a level where you have to put yourself at risk. You have a 21-point lead over Plessinger. Yeah, no problem. Here, have it. Great race, yeah. Plessinger. We'll see you in Salt Lake. Right. Um, Weege, uh, after the press conference was over, I interviewed Plessinger, and I said, look, I don't – I hope this isn't a dick question, to which Jimmy Perry started laughing and said it probably is in the background. <laughs> but I said not to be like a dick question, but, like, you know, you, you just got your first win, you're second in the points, but I just feel like this hasn't been – 
awesome for you, you know, and we expected you to be multiple wins and right there. And, and he agreed with me, to Aaron's credit, he agreed with me, but was that a dick question? I think it's actually I think a fair it's fair. It's just right. very rarely gets asked. I know, and maybe that's why yeah. I ha- I am who I am, and that's why I have these problems with riders. But my my latest uh, rant that I've been using in that in this like, situation uh, is when you when you have to ask questions like this. No one is a worse critic than a the riders themselves, mm-hmm. b their employers and their sponsors and the people around them, and their expectations are so high. Yeah. We are not the worst critics. Now, they will want to think that the keyboard warrior fans and the media, we're the worst. But I had to say to someone uh, in a thing last week in St. Louis, they're like, oh, you got to understand how many good riders are out there and all that. I'm like, oh, so you were, you're high-fiving when you get 14th, right? You guys were coming in the truck saying, killed it. Yeah. It's just us. They know. Yeah. Obviously, if you're from Bobby Regan and everyone at Yamaha to Aaron himself, the goal was to have more than one win by the time you got to yeah. Seattle. You know, that we're not saying he sucks, but... You know, they know. So, you know, in the end, I, ultimately that's fair uh, because of that. I think Flessinger gets a little tough to understand because he does some things that look so redonkulously fast. Uh, how many times have you seen him in practice, like, kill some section, and you're like, oh, my God, look at this lap. Yeah. And then it's like maybe the fastest by a little bit or it's second and third fastest, and you're like, how is this possible? Like, yeah. I saw him wheelie through those loops. He should be three seconds a lot faster. So I almost feel like it puts a little unfair expectation on him at times because right. he can look so spectacular in one section. They're like, oh, he should just kill it tonight. He should dominate. Um, I feel like that. guys are also still good. I feel yeah. like that Thor gear did not meet expectations. That's for sure. Oh, my <laughs> God. That is not lit kit. JT won't, will not comment on this. I understand that. But holy yeah. shit. Uh, they got to stop that stuff. Um... JT, dick question or not to Plessinger? I think it's I think it's valid. Okay, I think it's a thanks. hard question. Right. It's a hard question, but in the vein of what I know you stand for. So, uh, yeah, what going I st- in, what I stand for. What does that mean? What I stand for? You ask the real questions. I don't think that you are wanting to just kiss these guys' ass in press conferences and say, "Hey, great job," even when he got fifth. I, I don't, I should I take selfies? I with, should I take photos with riders? <laughs> I just don't think that's what you want. I think okay. you want real questions and real answers. And that's – no, I'm, I'm all for it because, for me, going in, I thought he was going to be winning races and be yeah. a points leader at this stage of the series. So when you're not, yeah. no, I, okay. I'm 100% yeah. on board with that question. Right. Um, great to see Oldenburg get a podium. That was awesome. But I really – I mean, I also like Jimmy D. I, w- I was happy to Jimmy D that, you know, if he could have got it. But he crashed and after Oldenburg passed him. But that was a good battle for a while. Oldenburg and Jimmy. Yeah, it's awesome yeah. to see those well, guys going for it. Like yeah, that. yeah, they were. They both wanted it bad. Well, yeah, yeah. And think about how much Oldenburg has improved over the last couple yeah. of years. I mean, he was kind of a nobody, and then you know Albertson uh, helped him out, put him on his effort at the time, and then you know KDKM uh, yeah. took it over from there, and he injured himself both the last time we saw him. Yeah. So I didn't even know where he where he was really at coming into this race, and. Uh, he proved all day that he's he's ready. I mean, he's he's, he's a success story for the Civity West Class, and it's awesome to see. Well, right? he's I only got two races. He went four and three. He's only raced twice. Well, I know, but I'm just saying, yeah. when you look at where he was, he was a nobody in this series. Yeah. And now he's the legit guy. I mean, he's well, at the, always on the board for, for time qualifying. He's uh-huh. running up front. I mean, podium. Yeah. I mean, that's, I, I'm just happy to see it for 
for kind of the little guy who yeah. he didn't have a ride coming out of the amateurs. You know, he was kind of a nobody. Right. He's Minnesota's finest. Yeah, and now they own the truck in Texas. Right. Um, nobody can understand. McElrath went down in practice, hurt his leg really well, really good. Uh, he got fifth in the main, which was good. He toughed it out, but he was in pain for sure afterwards. He's got a big hematoma on his leg. The Marty well, Davalos. I, what? Sorry? I, I think the the crash, him crashing is uh, very understated compared to Aldridge's deal. Oh, Aldridge. Oh, my God. Do you guys see that? you guys see his tweet about what he did? If you want to talk about McElrath's crash, I think that would be the crash that needs to be talked about. Oh, Aldridge. He needs to maybe, maybe look into something else. I'm not one of those guys that he makes. you got to make your own decision, but it ain't working out. Well, I think all of us would just want the best for everyone out there. And we may have a different perspective than he does, but from our perspective, I think all three of us could agree that maybe this is uh, not working out. No. Um, the Marty Davalos twenty-nine point watch is on. He got eighteen and four. He got fourth. He just he makes the dumbest mistakes, JT, for an older guy, right? Like, well, one of the one just, of the funniest things I saw all weekend was in a group text of people that were remain nameless. People were every time he crashed, it was like, "Stay down, just stay down." It was like a dude getting beat up badly <laughs> in a fight. Just stay down because this is your best move. This uh, is your chance to take a wrist injury, and we'll see you next year. Does he get the 29? I don't think he does. Well, I think for his own best interest, hopefully not. He's got 18. So um, how many, what places do you need to get in Vegas? I don't have the points in front of well, me. Well, it's Salt Lake, too. Got oh, three, two wow. more races. Yeah, he's in that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he needs uh, some hurt. sort of visa issue. He needs a visa issue. <laughs> yes. He's got to get hurt between now and then. Got oh. to. Yeah, he had plenty of opportunity, man. He went off the track in that heat race, oh. hit an official, and I'm like, all right, he's done. <laughs> Zero points. Well, tonight. that's what I was saying. In the group text, and there's a, yeah. there's, it's like 15 or 16 people in this group text. Everyone literally was saying, stay down, in all caps. Yeah, we stay down. <laughs> you hit an official. We're good, bro. You can check out. We're fine with that. Yeah. Yeah. By yeah. the way, though. Can I share my okay. can I share my funniest moment of the weekend? Besides yeah. all the Moser stuff, which is always spectacular. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in the greatest fit of irony or coincidence or both ever, uh, Chad Reed finds himself behind Vince Freeze in the semi. And, uh, Steve, you remember I kept saying, ah, poor Chad, man, this slower guy's in front of him just won't get out of the way and just keeps taking up the line. It's going to be so frustrating for Chad. He can't pass the slower guy in front of him. Uh, well, apparently that was real. So Chad was shockingly accusing Vince Freeze of cross-jumping in a semi where we heard this story for the three billion times. So who does Chad Reed have to air his grievance with Vince Freeze with? He has to go to John Gallagher. Here's John Gallagher fielding the 172,458th Vince just cross-jumped me in a semi-race claim, and he's got to do it with Chad, who he now has a blood feud with, lawsuits, job on the line, appeals all pending. And now he and Chad have to work together to talk to Vince Freeze, which is just amazing. And so I guess John went and talked to Freezy. I think he went over to Moto Concept. Freezy, of course, said I didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> and then they showed him video. He's like, Chad was only behind me for like two laps. It's only two minutes. And then I guess they even saw him cross jump one of the ending naps. And then they, one of the ending naps almost went into Chad. So that was what Chad was mad about. So then Gallagher's on the line talking to Freezy about this. And one of the mechanics down there said, basically Gallagher was saying, 
Yeah, I have to talk to you about the same thing again. Basically what you had to talk to Vince about. That was just just amazing. <laughs> This makes me so happy. The, uh, the Moto Concepts video session would have been quite, quite uh, something to see. Uh, yeah, yeah. Speaking yeah. of the internet, I mean, JT, sorry, yeah. I, I, you want to be alone for a minute, JT? <laughs> no, as just someone who dealt with this, because back when this was going on for me, there weren't these, there weren't podcasts as much as there are now. The Pulp Show wasn't what it is now, and I didn't have any sort of platform I could do now. And but I was dealing with this. I was literally fist fighting with Vince and dealing with this every week and no one heard me. No one cared. Really didn't care. So for me now, uh, this is just fantabulous because it doesn't affect me, but I'm still getting to reap the benefits of everyone seeing how he races. And I, I, I always have to preface this with, I, I don't think he's a bad person. I really think he's a nice guy. I don't know what happens when he puts his helmet on. That's really it. I don't know where his brain goes. I don't know what place he goes to when he puts his helmet on, when, he, when his bike cranks. It could be anything. I don't know what triggers him. It's like uh, the Manchurian candidate. There's mm-hmm. some sort of trigger for him he's, uh, that he's got he goes Sto- to a weird place. He's got, he's got Stockholm Syndrome, you know? There's something. There's something that happens to him when he goes onto a supercross track or motocross track that changes his personality. And I don't it, know what it is. It's odd it's because there. Chad has partied in Temecula. For sure. Oh, oh, definitely Murrieta, because I've been there. Right. So, it's odd they wouldn't have ran into each other at some point at a party. Well, you got. I think you got to look everything in a vacuum, right? Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, all right. What? Oh, speaking of the Internet Brothers, Tyler cleaned out Raper and his brother, and there was a little harsh feelings back in the TP professional journey days. So, <laughs> Well, hold on a second, yeah. because I texted you guys. In the middle of the night program at some point, I said, man, Tyler really is, he's aggressive on the border of dirty. And I've been watching this for a while, and he rides so much differently than Adam, where he, man, he really, he, he goes for it. Like, he's contact, it's a contact sport for Tyler. And then right after that, he just drills those guys. And I'm like, well, there's my point right there. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm lucky I'm not out there because I would probably feel like I do about Vince, maybe. But he's he's well, definitely not scared to throw it in there. He's making things happen. He's professional journey over there. Yeah, so, I give you credit uh, on call, that. JT. You call that, JT, you called it like three laps into the ten minute practice. You're like, man, Tyler, anything? And uh, <laughs> well, I've, yeah. it's been building for a while. Oh, okay. <laughs> Marty just cross jumped Justin Hill. Just watched it, and he got sent off the track into an official. Okay, you're right. Yeah, Marty must party. Marty the party. That's why I can get away with it. <laughs> Marty party. Marty, Marty makes, I think this goes back to what I was saying, like, he's 30 years old in the 250 class. He still makes mistakes like he's 16. Like He's big on social media, though. He doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't like, seem to ever, ever learn. He still has these weirdo crashes and things where you're like, dude, you can you, you know you know this sport you know how to ride a motorcycle now you have a brain you know but no not at all marty's under a lot of stress he is uh okay fly racing racer x podcast poor jimmy d uh chisholm road well coming from the back tickle road well 
Um, also, uh, Weimer got 11th. Good for him. Bogle came from that first turn crash to 12th. Um, Alex Ray crashed 14 times. Kate Clayson almost gave away his main event by all by himself in the LCQ. Justin Brayton struggled. I don't think that's much of a surprise. That's not ideal conditions for him, Weech. Yeah, it's like outdoor conditions, right? Yeah, yeah. Can we so. talk about Kate almost killing uh, several factory riders in practice? Um, he claims it wasn't that bad. <laughs> I did bring it <laughs> right. up with him. I did bring it right. up with him. Right. Um, all right. So, okay. Well, great series, great racing in Seattle. We're pumped to be back in Seattle for sure. And uh, awesome to uh, to watch it. Three races left. Man, it's getting good. It's getting exciting. Weekend off. I think everybody's excited for a weekend off. Well, except everybody I talked to, we each said they were going to do outdoor testing all week, which sucks. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a weekend off from planes, and uh, that's cool. But, yeah. It's yeah, not like the work is yeah the dude. They, they all sound like yeah. they're. But no, one, no one's going to be testing on the weekend. No. Weekend off. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, weekend off is what is the important part. Right. Everyone's got to work. All, all of us will be working all week. I'm talking about the weekend. Right. I'm gonna try to. Yeah, that's gonna be. I'm good. gonna try to cut my pods down this week. And do none. So. Well, we week. don't have any of the lead-in stuff, which is awesome. Right. Okay. Flyracing.com. Jason Wygant. Jason Thomas. Thank you for this. And uh, yeah, we will. Uh, we'll talk down the road. Thanks, everybody. See you guys. See ya. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. it was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Storbeck because that he never said sorry. Because Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunas. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And McGill was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right. And, right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't have been, you know, yeah. if, if it hadn't have been there. The Hurricane, Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike. I think he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Poland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? Right. They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home, and once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take their money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like beating a dead horse, you know. And I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Pro Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. 
seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I had pulled pick and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. Been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny O'Mara. Stuff that you could, you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride it, you just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in, I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes Store to enjoy these and over 800 great motocross podcasts. Right, the day.